So a uh, pretty simple message today. Uh, I think for the most of us, it's been a pretty hectic week, uh, to say the least, in different eras of our lives. And so I figured today, simple and clear is the best thing for us sometimes. You know, sometimes you can go to church and sometimes you can hear messages that are really over our heads and they're really, really in-depth in what, in what uh, is being taught. I mean, theology is good. Doctrine is on point. Like, I love that stuff. I eat it up. I'm a Bible nerd. I get that. But sometimes you just need to hear that Jesus loves you. And today is going to be one of those messages. Uh, we have been, um, you know, in a series called Arise. It's a three-week message uh, leading up to the, the message of Easter coming up next week. By the way, if you have not invited someone, it's not too late. And start inviting people to Easter, sharing invites on Facebook, uh, investing in someone. We take someone out to lunch from work and be like, hey, I brought you out to lunch. I want to spend time with you, but ultimately, I really wanted to uh, formally invite you to Easter at my church. And, and, and but when you, if someone wants to do that to me, I'm going. I, I just, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I might not go if you invite me on Facebook. I might not go if you tell me in passing in the hallway at work. You buy me a taco, I'm gonna be there, okay? <laughs> Especially when you know we're having brisket on Easter Sunday, and you say we're doing brisket sandwiches or tacos on, and we're doing barbecue and stuff. Like I'm there, okay? <laughs> And so do that for someone this week. Um, and so we're going to just continue. If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be continuing in chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, of course, it's on the seat in front of you. There should be one around there. If not, on the screen behind me, we'll be in Luke 23. And then on Facebook as well, you can go ahead and check in while you're there. And so, uh, so we started a series last week called Arise. And basically what we're doing is we're looking at the three crosses that are there at Calvary. I've said many times we just focus on the cross of Jesus, and, and that's right, we should be focused on Jesus, but there was also two other crosses that have a lot to tell over here in, at Calvary. And last Sunday, we looked at the guy who was on the cross, and this guy rejected Jesus. He rejected him, totally pushed him away. And we said that this was a criminal who died while being in sin. He died while being in his sin. And we learned that because uh, the, the reason why that's so important for us to study is that there are people around us every single day that are going to constantly push back on the message of the cross. They will constantly push back. They will constantly reject Jesus. And so the importance is that is because if there are people who are constantly going to be rejecting Jesus, then we as Christians have to constantly be injecting Jesus as much as we can into their lives. Until one day, hopefully, God is knocking on their heart and they will realize that the scales will fall from their eyes and because we have been persistent in our pursuit of, of them in love and in grace, that they will come to know Christ Jesus because we have done our part and persistently per, uh, pursued them persistently in all of their lives. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. And we also learned that because of that, everything that we do matters. Everything matters. The way that you serve in your church matters. How consistent are you in serving in your church? The way you attend church matters. Come into church, even when you don't feel like it. Like, like your presence matters. Last week, this place was filled. This week, it's kind of dwindling. Like, the more that you come, the more consistent it matters. The way everything you do matters. The way that you sacrifice your comforts matter. Everything that you do for Christ matters. Everything in light of the gospel of Jesus matters. Now this week, this week we're going to be going across the cross, so to speak, across the cross of Jesus and look at the other side of Jesus 
at the criminal who surrendered his life to Christ at that moment. This is the criminal who died not in his sin, but the criminal who died to sin. The criminal who died to sin. So just real quick, I said we're just going to be real quick, we're going to be kind of Baptist here. I'm going to go over the ABCs of dying to sin, okay? And if you grew up in church, you know exactly where I'm going with this, but we're, it's, it's going to be fun. This may be a children's sermon one day, but you know what? We all need to hear this. Amen. So we're going to go over the ABCs of dying to sin. We're going to be answering the question, how does a person die to their sin? How does a person die to their sin? So if you're taking notes, here's the first one. The first thing we need to know, the first letter of the alphabet, so to speak, is A, is we need to admit. We need to admit that we are sinners. Read with me here in Luke 23, 39. It says, one of the criminals who hung there riled at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. That's what we studied last week. It was the guy who was against Jesus. And then look at me here in verse 40, church. It says this, But the other, which is the other guy, the other, the other criminal that was across the cross, says that the other guy rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you're under the same sentence and condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. It's pretty simple. We just have to be honest with God. God knows that we are sinful people at nature. God knows that because he saw the fall of man before we were even born. He knows that sin is within our hearts and souls. Whenever we were born, we were born with a sinful nature. That's why you have to teach your kids how to be mean and rude. You have to teach your kids how to lie when they're in trouble. It's in our nature to be sinful. And God knows that. But God also knows that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. But do you know that? And you think, man, I've been in church a while, Pastor. This is a simple sermon. But let's just reevaluate stuff. Because I think it's good for us to constantly check our salvation and make sure it's still there. And we can't lose our salvation, but we can't stray from it. And many times I think we are so fixated on other things around us that we'll stray from what we should be doing. And we're, we're, we're like that, 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 that guy that's always distracted by the squirrel, the shiny bright thing. And you're over here and you forget that you're supposed to be over here with Jesus. So do you know that? That's the first step in dying to your sin is admitting that you need Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior the first step in admitting that you, that you are a sinner in need of God's grace. But what is sin? I know what sin is, Pastor. I get this. I'm there. Oh, yeah? Well, let's, look, let's review this again. What is sin? The first thing we need to know is that everyone has sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that scripture. Are you thinking to yourself, maybe I haven't sinned. Have you ever told a lie? Raise your hand if you ever, ever, ever lied. Never. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're lying now. I always like to say that. You're thinking, oh, I never lied. But you know what? There's always something. Even when you're a kid, lying is probably the most common thing we do. It is. I'm lying to you right now. I'm just joking. Uh, like, even if it was just a little fabrication of a lie, it's still a lie. Have you ever thought about someone as a more deeper one? Have you ever thought about someone in a more sexual manner? Jesus said that if you even think about someone else like that, you have committed adultery in your heart. You say, well, I'm not married. 
There ain't no one to adultery with. Yeah, you're married to Jesus. And so even if you're, even if you're not married to someone, you're still committing adultery in your heart. And men, we know the, the struggle of what that is, don't we? Women, you know the emotional struggle of that. Because while you may not look at a man lustfully like that, some of y'all may, you may be like, man, Chris Evans, uh, Chris Hemsworth. I mean, that, that's different, yeah. But maybe you're looking at someone more emotionally. I remember a story that I was told by a pastor. And he said, you never let, never let your life get to this point. He said that one day his wife, after planting his church and it was growing and doing good, he was busy. He said that, that one day his wife was coming to the church and she was in the parking lot. She was struggling trying to get the stroller out of the, the, you know, the trunk of the car. And she said that this guy came up. And she goes, oh, uh, how are you doing? Uh, whatever her name was, pastor's wife, whatever. Um, can I help you? And she goes, no, I got it. She goes, no, let me help you. And he put his hand on the stroller and pulled it out for her. He grabbed the, the, the diaper bag and put it in the stroller for her. He helped her gather her stuff. And she goes on and she tells her husband, she goes, you know what? Um, I had never looked at this guy like that before, but I tell you what, it felt good to be pursued by someone. And so, ladies, even you guys have to guard your hearts. Man, it's up to us to love our, our wives the women in our lives, because if we don't love them, someone else will. One thing, that's one bit of advice I've always had in my life. So have you ever looked at someone lustfully? That calls, that in, in Jesus' eyes, that means you're adulterer. We all can continue in the line of questioning, but I mean, have you ever hated someone and Jesus calls you a murderer? Like, I don't hate people. Yeah, yeah, well, if someone was to do something bad against your family, I would feel bad in hatred against someone. I get angry at people all the time, and I struggle with that. I have to die to myself every day when I say I cannot be angry with this person. This person is just as lost and just as confused as someone else. We have got to love that person, even through that. If you've ever hated someone or had anger or held resentment against someone, God says you're just like a murderer at that point. The Bible says that everyone has sinned. And so in essence, we all stand guilty before God outside of Jesus Christ. But the good thing is, is that Christ died for all of us. And you think, I know all this. I know this, Pastor. Yeah, just listen. Because sometimes we have to be reminded. I don't know what has happened in the week before this, the leading up to this. I don't know what's happened in your year before this. I don't know what you've done personally in your life. I don't know what you did last night or last month or something that you might be carrying some guilt on. But I really think that the Spirit is kind of leading me to say this right now, is that God loves you. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what sin you might have not been holding back from your wife or what secret thing you've been holding back and you haven't wanted to tell people because you're afraid that the church may look at you wrong or you're afraid that maybe your, your family will be against you if, if you tell them, hey, I'm struggling with this. But you need to know this right now. No matter what you've done, Christ has died on the cross for you. And he loves you greatly. He loves you. And he was willing to send his son Jesus to the cross to die for you. You need to know that. You need to know that. That was the first thing, that we need to admit that we're sinners and admit that we need Christ in our life. The second thing is a person who is dying in their sin must admit they're sinners and admit they need Jesus Christ, and then they must believe. They must believe. Death to sin comes when a person believes. Read with me again verse 40 and 41. 
But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. Well, this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. See, the criminal right there, the thief was saying, I believe this man, Jesus. I believe in him. I, I, I understand what he's doing. I believe in Jesus. And after seeing how Christ was abused on the, the, the cross, that he was nailed to the cross, as he was whipped with the cat of nine tails, as, he's, as he saw the abuse, as he saw him being hung there on the tree, taking his last breaths, suffocating under the weight of his own body, as he saw that, he said, I believe that this man is innocent. I believe that. See, belief accepts Christ at face value. Belief accepts Christ at face value. The thief did not understand everything about Christ. He didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't know him for years and years and years and finally started believing him. He looked at Christ and said, I believe in you. I believe in you. He came to Jesus just as he was. The thief was probably the most messed up, broken, most vulnerable part of his life. And yet Jesus was there and Jesus says, I love you. Listen to me. If you're here in the room today, or if you're listening on the podcast, online, wherever you're at, don't wait to come to Jesus. We have this misconception that we have to be perfect before we can come to Christ. Or we have this misconception that we have to know everything about Jesus or understand them a little bit better. We got to know certain scriptures. You can't even quote John 3.16. Like, how can, I, how can I be accepted by Jesus? But the thief knew none of that. He came to Christ just as he was, broken, messed up, near death. See, understanding this is not head knowledge, but it's a, a knowledge of the heart. It's a belief of the heart. The Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus and that he's the Son of God and they tremble. But for those who, of us who really believe it's a heart thing, our heart has accepted the fact that he is Christ the Lord. The Bible says that we must believe that he is the Son of God. That we must also believe that he lived a perfect life. And that he died on the cross for the sins of the world and he arose on the third day. And once we get there, once we're at that point where we understand that, then we can move on to the next part of the ABCs. A person who is dying in sin will admit that they need Jesus. They will admit that they are a sinner. They will believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, the Son of God, the risen Lord, coming again for us. They believe that, and finally they will confess. Y'all get that? Admit, believe, confess, ABC? Never mind. I told you it was corny. It's going to be a children's sermon one day. Confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior in spite of our sin. In spite of that. Let's check out verse 42. And he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's on the cross. He's saying, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And look what Christ says to him, verse 43. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The criminal's hanging there on the cross. He's dying just like Christ is. He's living on his last breath. He knows that his sins have brought him there. And he knows that Jesus is who he says he is. He knows that he believes in Christ. 
And so he begs him upon the cross with the very last moments of his life. He says, Lord, please remember me when you go into your kingdom. This was the thief's public confession. In front of everyone there, the crowd that had gathered to watch the murder of these three young men, the crowd that was there, the Roman soldiers that were there who were sent to ensure the execution of these men went through. In front of all these people, he says, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? Your kingdom. He says, I know that you're Lord. I know that you're who you say you are. Your kingdom, will you remember me? He made a public confession in front of everyone. And listen, that's awesome. Like, I love that. Like, I love the fact that when someone says, I believe in Jesus Christ, and they're willing to confess it. I love that. But to be honest with you, this guy had nothing really to hinder him from saying that. I mean, like, he's on the cross. He ain't going nowhere. He's got nothing to lose. It's not, it wasn't that hard for him to say that. But it is hard for us to say that nowadays. Because to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in today's age, you're going to lose something. It's going to cost you something. This guy was dying. He was maybe an hour or two away from death. It wasn't going to cost him anything. He was already on his way out. But for everyone here in the room today, your confession of Christ will cost you something. It will cost you something. It may cost you your reputation. Maybe you're that guy at work that's known as the guy that loves to go out and party. And you come and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know that's not right no more. And so you stop doing that. Now your reputation is not like that no more. Maybe you're the rep- your reputation is the guy in, in your business that makes the most sales because you, you kind of cheat people and you lie to people. And that's how you make the most sales. But now that you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't do that. It's going to cost you something. Maybe it's going to cost you a relationship. Maybe because now that you're following Christ, you know that that toxic relationship that you're in right now needs to be out. That that person does not lead you closer to God, they lead you closer to bed, and so you rather, you know that that's not right, it's going to cost you that relationship. Your confession of Jesus Christ will cost you something. I'm just... You know, I think about just everyone like that. You know, even going into the, the realm of, of homosexuality and same-sex attraction. They say, well, I cannot let go of, of this love, my partner. I, I, I get that because if, if, if the scripture, I believe, said I could not love my wife because that was wrong, that would be heartbreaking. I understand that they struggle with that. But ultimately, that's going to cost them that. We have to die to our skin. Die to our flesh. Die to everything that we feel is good and fun when we start following Christ so we realize what is really good and right for us. We will lose things when we confess to Christ. It might cost you your job. It might cost you your job. Your confession of Christ might lead you to believe that maybe you are called to do something more. And maybe your job interferes with that that calling in your life. Maybe you're, called to, maybe you're called to go overseas to be a missionary. Your job is hindering that. Maybe you're called to plant a church and your job just doesn't work well with the schedule. Maybe you're called to do I mean, Maybe you're called to start doing your job correctly and that gets you fired. You might lose something when confessing to Christ. 
And ultimately, it may even cost you your life. There's a movie that just, I don't know if it's came out, it's coming out, but y'all know the story of Columbine. Shooters came through the school of Columbine, shooting up the school. The first, one of the first major school shootings probably ever since the University of Texas shooting. It was personal because the killers actually targeted uh, certain kids that they felt didn't, that they didn't like. And so they get into the library of Columbine High School and the shooters enter the room. And when they get up to these two girls, Cassie and Rachel, they ask them straight up, we will let you live if you renounce Christ. Do you confess Christ or do you renounce Christ? And boldly, Rachel and Cassie say, we believe in Jesus Christ. Boom. Boom. Lost their life. You know, I think that so many of us want to be able to say we can do that. But until we're in that moment, you better just hope that you are prayed up enough to say yes. See, I think of many of us here today, that confession that we might have said a while back, that I confess in Jesus Christ, I don't think it's cost us anything. I don't think it's cost us much at all. So here's a two-part question I want to ask you. Number one is, have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you admitted that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that He, he is Son of God? Savior of the world. And have you confessed with your mouth and through your actions of your life that you need him every day of your life? Have you done that? And if not, why? What's holding you back? You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be right. In fact, I'd rather you not be right to, have, to come to Christ. What's holding you back from taking that step? And the second part of that is if the answer is yes, then here's the next question. What does your confession cost you? Like, what has changed in your life since following Jesus? What does it cost you? What's different in your life? If you were to look at your life before Christ, B.C., or after, life, after the death of yourself, is there a difference in there? Is there a difference? Has it cost you something? Have you, have you had to let go of a relationship? Have you had to uh, separate yourself from people who are leading you away from Christ? Have you had to change jobs to better serve Christ? Have you had to die to certain hobbies and things that you love so you can uh, put Christ number one in your life? Have you had to die to certain addictions and things that pull you away from Christ? And what have you lost since your confession of Christ? What, is you, what have you lost? And if you haven't lost anything... Like, if everything looks the same, let me ask you, is that confession even real? Like, if it hasn't cost you anything, have you even really confessed? You see, this Easter, this Easter Sunday, we were going to be hosting many guests today, the next week. I guarantee you, with everyone inviting, with the advertising, with the gatherings, gather we're doing, Friday, I guarantee you we will have guests next Sunday. And every single one of those guests is going to be looking at every single one of you and me as well, especially me, to ensure that we are the real deal. But not just on Easter Sunday, every day. Your coworkers look at you to make sure you're the real deal. 
your, your students and the, and, the, and the kids that look up to you or the, the people you go to school with, they make sure you're the real deal. Your coworkers, people that, you know, your family look at you to make sure you're the real deal. They're studying you. And uh, this is going to sound really bad, but their belief and their understanding, the way that they judge Jesus is going to be based on the way that they judge you. And they cannot see Jesus. The only place that they see Jesus is through you. And so if you confess you're a Christian, but you live like any other way you want, if you say that you're, you're, you're confessing Christ as your Lord, but your life has not changed, if you confess Him as your Lord and Savior, but it hasn't cost you anything, they're going to pick up on that. They're going to know that you're not who you say you are because there's no difference in who they knew you as. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me on that one? We have got to reflect the life of, a, of someone who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We have got to have a receipt of what we lost when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. If not, was the transaction ever made? We've got to do that, guys. So let that confession be what motivates you. That confession better have cost you something to ensure that you are real. Let's do our best this Easter season to invest and invite people. Let's show them what our confession looks like, the life transformed by Christ. Invite people into your home. Invite people to witness how you run your family, how your family is, is living for the gospel. Let them sh- show the people the most intimate moments of your life. Invite them over to breakfast when everything is chaotic in the house. Show people how messy your house can be. And show them how awesome Christ can be. Show people that part of your life. Share the ABCs about your life with them. Tell them how you admitted that you needed Christ as your Lord and Savior. How you believe that Christ is who he says he is. And tell them that because of your confession of Christ Jesus, this has changed in your life. That way they will know that it is real. Do these things and people will come and they will start seeing great things in you. Just live your life out for the gospel. It's as easy as ABCs.